Good morning. Welcome. Bienvenidos. Buenos dias. How good it is to be in the house of the Lord. Welcome. Welcome to Metropolitan Community Church of the Lehigh Valley. I have just a few announcements to share with you today. What are those announcements? MCCLV has all sorts of wonderful classes going on right now. Uh, we have the Sunday morning adult spiritual formation. We have the Tuesdays, uh, 6 and 7, 6 o'clock on Zoom, and then 7 o'clock in person. Uh, with the Stewardship of Sexuality series. Uh, we do ask, if possible, if you could like and share the broadcast, that would be wonderful. If you're worshiping in person, it's okay to take out your phone and, and to like and share that. If you're worshiping online, uh, also if, uh, if you could share that. Um, a reminder that MCCLB is now offering another option for worship. And so on the first Saturday of the month at 7 o'clock right here in the sanctuary, we offer a worship service. That's an unplugged service. Uh, we don't video the service. We use hymnals. Um, and so that's the first Saturday of the month, first Saturday of every month. Uh, also, uh, if you are worshiping online and you want to participate in the communion liturgy, we sure hope you do. If you could get your bread prepared, your cracker, whatever you're going to use for your carb as well as your uh, juice prepared because there will be a communion liturgy uh, today. And at this time, I'm gonna ask forward uh, if um, uh, Craig and Mike could come forward. Um, Craig and Mike have asked that uh, their new wedding ring be blessed uh, today. So uh, we love doing that in the church. Uh, so if you could just put the ring here. I know you said it was uh, blessed there. Okay. And church, whether you're worshiping online or in person, just send our positive prayer energy to Craig and to Mike. Thank you and praise you. <laughs> Loving and amazing God for bringing together Craig and Mike, for blessing their marriage, and too many ways to list. Thank you for the love that they have already shared, the love that they're sharing now, and the love that they will continue to share in their marriage. God, we thank you for this ring, which symbolizes the covenant and commitment they've made to one another. We know you will bless it, and you will continue to bless their marriage, Lord God, abundantly. Amen. Amen. Congratulations again. Yes. Amen. And that completes our announcements uh, for this morning. If you could please rise as able. Let's join in saying together the church's purpose statement. MCCLV's purpose is to worship and serve God through acts of justice and compassion. Well, let's share a sign of peace with one another. For those worshiping in person, turn to your neighbor. Share that sign of peace. You can do the hug sign. For those worshiping online, you can type in the word peace or use the peace emoji. How good it is to be gathered together in community with our siblings in Christ. Let's sing this song together. Come thou fount of every blessing to my heart to sing thy 
by grace Streams of mercy never ceasing Call for songs of loudest praise Teach me some melodious sonnet Sung by flaming tongues above Praise the mountain fixed upon it Mount of thy redeeming love Here I raise to thee an altar Hither by thy help I'm come And I hope by thy good pleasure Safely to arrive at home Jesus sought me when a stranger Wandering from the foe of God He to rescue me from danger Interposed his precious blood How great a debtor Daily I'm constrained to be Let thy goodness like a fetter Bind my wandering heart to thee Prone to wander, Lord, I feel it Prone to leave the God I love Sing that last line. Here's my heart. Oh, take and seal it. Seal it for thy courts above. Jesus bids us welcome and brings grace and mercy, forgiveness and peace. Yet we dwell amid doubt and fear, and we persist in our ways of stubbornness and unbelief. We humbly ask you, Jesus, to come among us once more and bring us your words of wisdom. Open our hearts, our spirits, our souls to receive your healing and hope. Amen. You may be seated as we continue to worship. i 
Savior's house In my Savior's house In my Savior's house No more crying there In my Savior's house There is joy 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 Come and go with me To my Savior's house Savior's house, there is joy, joy, there is joy. Amen. 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 We thank you and praise you, God, for your house, for this opportunity to worship. And we thank you, God, for this time of prayer that we've entered into. For those who are worshiping online, if you have a prayer request, a, a person, a situation, a circumstance that's in need of prayer attention, you can just write your prayer need right into the comments there on the worship broadcast. For those who are worshiping in person today, I'm going to pause in just a moment and into that pause, we're going to speak our prayer requests, knowing that also God hears our prayers, knows our lives, whether or not we say it aloud. Uh, God, uh, God is present. God is with us. And so let us pray. Are there any prayer needs today? Loving God, we thank you for this opportunity to worship you in spirit and in truth. We thank you for this opportunity to worship you authentically, just as we are. You pour out on us living water, and we are refreshed, we are renewed. Lord, you know how much we need your refreshment and your renewal. And if there's anyone worshiping today, who's feeling in any way held back by their past, we just pray that, that you accept in this very moment the forgiveness and liberation of God. Anyone feeling held back, know that you are set free by our loving and amazing God. If there's anyone here today who's worshiping, who is distracted and is just barely holding on, know that help is right here. God is present, and God is giving anyone in need focus, a new perspective. If there's anyone worshiping today who has a hurting heart and is feeling broken down, trust that God is restoring you, building you up in this very moment. 
And now for those who are doing well, for those who are feeling centered, for those who are feeling strong, we praise God and we pray that God direct you in ways to share God's strength and hope with others. What a joy to gather together and spend this time apart reflecting on, on God's power, Christ's love, and the Spirit's movement. Alleluia, and let's all say, amen. Come out of sadness from wherever you've been. Come broken hearted, let rescue begin. Come find your mercy, O oh sinner, come kneel. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. Earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. Lay down your burdens Lay down your shame All who are broken Lift up your face Wanderer, come
praise God that God is a God that will welcome you just as you are. Your brokenness, your pain, your hurt, your love, God is right there. Remember that. You are in the right place at the right time right now. Take this moment and lay it at the feet of Jesus, whatever it is. Amen? So lay down your burdens. Lay down your shame. All who are broken, lift up your face. Wanderer, come home. You're not too far. Lay down your hurt. Lay down your heart. Come as you are. Greetings. My name is Kim Robinson, and I bring a warm welcome from my home in Easton, PA. I give to God through MCCLV because our church relies on donations from our congregation to support our wonderful staff, financial responsibilities, and the wonderful things that our church does in our community. I learned about generous giving growing up in a Christian home and watching my mother without hesitation give whenever there was a need in my neighborhood. I am honored and counted a great joy to be able to give to God due to all the wonderful blessings I have received. Let us praise the goodness of God. We should all realize it is in giving that we receive. You can give your offering online through MCCLV's website at www.mcclv.org. Click Donate Online or go to www.givebutter.com forward slash MCCLV. You may also write a check to MCCLV and mail it to 1401 Greenview Drive in Bethlehem, PA, 18018. For those who are present in person at the church, the ushers will share the offering basket shortly during worship. God has given us every good thing. Let's return to God a portion of all that God has so graciously given us. Our reading today comes from chapter 4 of the Gospel according to John. Hear God's word for you. Now when Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard, Jesus is making and baptizing more disciples than John, although it was not actually Jesus but the disciples who baptized, he left Judah and started back to Galilee. But he had to go through Samaria. So he came to a Samaritan city called Sitar, near the plot of ground that Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired out by his journey, was sitting by the well. It was about noon. A Samaritan woman came to draw water, and Jesus said to her, Give me a drink. The disciples had gone to the city to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to Jesus, How is it that you, a Jew, ask a drink of me, a woman of Samaria? Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, If you knew the gift of God, and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink. You would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. 
The woman said to him, Sir, you have no bucket, and the well is deep. Where do you get that living water? Are you greater than our ancestor Jacob, who gave us the well, and with his sons and his flock drank from it? Jesus said to her, Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the but those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. The water that I will give will become in them a spring of water, gushing up to eternal life. The woman said to Jesus, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Jesus said to her, Go, call your husband and come back. The woman answered him, I have no husband. Jesus said to her, You are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one you have now is not your husband. What you have said is true, the woman said to him. Sir, I see that you are a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you say that the place where people must worship is in Jerusalem. Jesus said to her, Woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship God neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You will worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. But the hour is coming, and is now here, when the true worshipers will worship God in spirit and truth. For God seeks such as these as worshipers. God is spirit, and those who worship God must worship in spirit and truth. The woman said to Jesus, I know that the Messiah is coming, who is called the Christ. Having come, that one will proclaim all things to us. Jesus said to her, I who speak to you am that very one. Just then the disciples came. They were astonished that Jesus was speaking with a woman, but no one said, what do you want, or why are you speaking with her? Then the woman left her water jar and went back to the city. She said to the people, come and see someone who told me everything I've ever done. This can't be the Messiah, can it? They left the city and were on their way to Jesus. Meanwhile, the disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But he said to them, I have food to eat that you do not know about. So the disciples said to one another, Surely no one has brought him something to eat. Jesus said to them, My food is to do the will of God, who sent me, and to complete God's work. Do you not say, Four months more, then comes the harvest? But I tell you, look around and see how the fields are ripe for harvesting. The reaper is already receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life, so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows and another reaps. I sent you to reap that for which you did not labor. Others had labored, and you have entered into their labor. Many Samaritans from that city believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I've ever done. So when the Samaritans approached, they asked Jesus to stay with them, and he stayed there for two days. And many more believed because of Jesus' word. They said to the woman, it is no longer because of what you have said that we believe, for we have heard for ourselves, and we know that this is truly the Savior of man. Here ends today's reading. Praise God that God's word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Praise God indeed. Will you pray with me? God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be pleasing and acceptable to you. God, just continue to rain down your Holy Spirit, we pray. Amen. Well, today's passage from John's Gospel is a wonderful and powerful account of a conversation between Jesus 
and a Samaritan woman at a well. It is the longest conversation that Jesus has with anyone in the Gospels. And so we know that something is special about it. Something special is happening. And the conversation these two have, it covers a lot of ground. It starts with a chance meeting at this well in the town of Sychar. And Sychar, it's in a region called Samaria. And Jews like Jesus and Samaritans had a touchy relationship. And I'm just going to give a brief history to put it in context. Now, I love history. I could make 20 minutes of this sermon about history, but I'm going to make it really brief, okay? Any other history lovers here, though, today? Okay, a few. All right. All right. This is for you, history lovers. Um, Many centuries prior to when Jesus walked the earth, the kingdom of Israel, it split in two, right? So there was a northern kingdom and a southern kingdom. And the northern kingdom, their capital was in the city of Samaria. The southern kingdom, the capital was in the city of Jerusalem. Well, the northern kingdom eventually was defeated by the Assyrians. This was in 722 BC. The southern kingdom also uh, defeated. They were defeated by the Babylonians. This was in 586 BC. Beautiful temple in Jerusalem was totally destroyed and many were exiled to Babylonia. Now, a number of those exiles returned and a second temple was built. And this is when Jesus was active, right? During a period called Second Temple Judaism. Now for the residents of the northern region, after their defeat by the Assyrians, they tried to maintain their religious traditions from their capital city of Samaria. And the region became known as Samaria also. Now Samaritans were Jews but they practiced a different kind of Judaism than Jesus and others who lived in the Jerusalem area, okay? So that was your moment of history there. Uh, Back to our regularly scheduled programming. So we hear in the reading today that Jesus is headed back to this region of Galilee, and in order to get to Galilee, he must pass through the region called Samaria. And as the Gospel of John puts it, Jesus left Judea, and started back to Galilee, but he had to go through Samaria. And this is where we all go, dun, 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 right? Uh Uh-oh, Jesus has to go through Samaria. Jews and Samaritans didn't hang out. Each group was suspicious of the other. Uh, Jews did not view Samaritans as being truly Jewish, and Samaritans weren't fans of Jews, so there were these tensions. Now, each group would have been surprised by anyone in the other group being a decent person, which is why it's surprising for a Samaritan to be identified as good in that parable of the good Samaritan. That's a surprise. That's found in Luke's gospel. So while Jesus probably doesn't want to take a pit stop in Samaria, he doesn't have a choice. The passage tells us that Jesus is tired out by his journey. And so in the heat of the day, It's noontime. Jesus sits by this well in this Samaritan town called Sychar. And Jesus is flying solo at this point. The disciples had gone into the city to look for some food. And we hear that this Samaritan woman, she comes to the well to draw water. And Jesus said to her, give me a drink. And the Samaritan woman is surprised by Jesus and asks him, how is it you, a Jew, asks a drink of me, a Samaritan? 
As we heard just a moment ago, remember Jews and Samaritans didn't get along, and the gospel passage tells us further that Jews do not share things in common with Samaritans. Now that the Samaritan woman is alone, and that it was noon, it gives us some ideas about this woman that Jesus met at the well. Women typically went to the well with other women really early in the morning, not just to avoid the heat, right, but so that they wouldn't be alone and run into strange men who were hanging out at, at the well at around noontime, the busiest time of the day. But the Samaritan woman is at the well at noon, and she's alone. There are no women friends with her. There are no neighbors with her, no neighbor ladies with her. And this means one of two things. Number one, the Samaritan woman at the well could be a prostitute seeking clients at that time of day when there would surely be men stopping by to get water from the well or to get water for their animals. Or, number two, the Samaritan woman at the well could be an unpopular woman in town, right? And she was alone because she had no friends, she had no female uh, family connections. Now, I lean toward number two, that she was an unpopular woman. But I find number one to be plausible. Either way, we can say this. The Samaritan woman at the well is an outsider in her town. But here is Jesus. He's engaging the woman in conversation, and she is surprised. She's asked Jesus why he, a Jew, would be conversing with her, a Samaritan. And Jesus answered the woman, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that is saying to you, give me a drink, you would have asked him and he would give you living water. And the Samaritan woman, she's confused. She points out to Jesus that he has no bucket, the well is deep, so where in the world would he get living water? And the woman wonders if Jesus thinks he's greater than Jacob. And the Samaritan woman points out to Jesus that despite their religious and cultural differences, Jacob is an ancestor to them both. And the woman asks Jesus, are you greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us this well and with his sons and flocks drank from it? And Jesus tries to pull the woman away from the material and the ordinary understanding of water. I'm just uh, pausing here for a moment. Is there somewhere where I could stand where there might be less uh, feedback? What does Jesus say to the woman? Everyone who drinks of this water will be thirsty again, but those who drink of the water that I will give them will never be thirsty. So Jesus provides not just the material substance, but also the spiritual sustenance. And we've heard in the Bible before about water meeting not just a material need, it's a material need to have water. But water meets not just a material need, but also a spiritual need. There's that lovely verse from Psalm 23. God leads me beside still waters. And then there's Psalm 42. As a deer longs for flowing streams, so my soul longs for you, O God. Then there's Isaiah chapter 12. With joy you will draw, draw water from the wells of salvation. So Jesus invites the woman to consider a spiritual approach. And she doesn't quite get it. She still wants her bodily thirst to be quenched. And the woman says to Jesus, Sir, give me this water so that I may never be thirsty or have to keep coming here to draw water. Now, there's no need to judge the woman because she responds in a way that many of us would respond to Jesus. She's tired of having to take that lonely trek to the well. 
and she wants to experience the joys of indoor plumbing, right? Ever-flowing water. Now seriously, drawing water is a burden. It takes time, it takes energy. And like any household task that we find to be boring, we look for ways to be relieved of that task, right? But spirituality and religion, they're not just ways to re relieve our everyday burdens. The point is not to become spiritual so that life becomes easy. The point is to more and more take on a spiritual perspective so that the burdens of life are not so distracting. Whatever the Samaritan woman's problems or difficulties or challenges, there's no need to let those things get in the way of her connection with God. We all have problems, difficulties, challenges, and they can become distractions to a deeper relationship with the divine. Now, sometimes the distraction is our personal relationships. Now, Jesus seems to be a bit bossy in scripture today, right? He demands that the Samaritan woman at the well, go, call your husband and come back. And the woman replies, I have no husband. What does Jesus say to her? You are right in saying I have no husband, for you have had five husbands, and the one that you have now is not your husband. What you've said is true. And we kind of hold our breath here, right? We're not sure what's gonna happen next because a lot of us have experienced what? Judgmental spirituality. And we think, well, this is a potential breaking point in the conversation. But let's remember this, Jesus is unlike most spiritual leaders. He knows the woman and he loves her and he continues to call her to her high spiritual calling. She is a spiritual being. So the issue is not that the woman has had five husbands. We don't know the details here, right? The woman may have been unlucky in love, divorced five times, didn't want to take the chance of getting married again to the man with whom she's currently living. Or let's remember this, in ancient times, people didn't have really long life expectancy. She could have outlived a number of husbands. We don't know the details. We don't have all of the facts here. But we know it's pretty sad. The woman had five marriages that didn't work out for one reason or another. Now the woman is astonished that Jesus knows the specifics of her life. And she says to him, sir, I see that you're a prophet. Our ancestors worshiped on this mountain, but you say the place where people must worship is Jerusalem. And this is where the woman gets a little playfully political with Jesus, okay? She understands that he's a prophet, and then she has the audacity to point out their spiritual differences. Her ancestors, the Samaritans, worshiped on a mountain called Mount Gerizim, whereas Jesus and his fellow Jews, they considered Jerusalem to be the center of worship. And then Jesus goes in a direction that we are not expecting at all. What? First, Jesus kind of playfully throws back at the woman, okay? He says, believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship God neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. You worship what you do not know. We worship what we know, for salvation is from the Jews. And it seems like an insult. Uh, but again, they're just kind of gently poking fun at one another for their beliefs. It would be like if you get a, a Catholic and a Protestant together sometimes, and they playfully make fun of each other's rituals and beliefs. Now the heart of the passage comes next, 
when Jesus says, but the hour is coming and is now here when the true worshipers will worship God in spirit and truth for God seeks such as these as worshipers. God is spirit. And those who worship God must worship in spirit and truth. That is the heart of our gospel passage today. Those are our two key sentences. So if you would repeat after me, true worshipers will worship God in spirit and truth. That's our key. Uh, true worshipers will worship God in spirit and truth. In case we didn't catch it the first time, notice Jesus says it again, right? Those who worship God must worship in what? In spirit and truth. And I do want to be careful and say that I think this can quickly become dangerous in the wrong interpretive hands. We've all known a Christian or two who believes that they have the only correct way to worship. They are the only ones practicing the truth. And the point is not to turn these words of Jesus into a kind of partisan cheer, right? Like, we've got spirit, yes we do. We've got spirit, how about you, right? Or how about this, we've got truth, yes we do. We've got truth, how about you, right? That kind of partisan cheer. In the wrong hands, the implication is that only one brand of Christianity holds the spirit. Only one brand of Christianity holds the truth, which is what? It's a false teaching. That is a false teaching. And Jesus crushes that false teaching when he says this to the woman. Believe me, the hour is coming when you will worship God neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem. So it's not, this is amazing. It's not about the woman's brand of Judaism. It's not even about Jesus' brand of Judaism. It's only about worshiping God in spirit and truth. And what in the world does it mean to worship God in spirit and truth? Well, to worship God in spirit, it means to be open to God, open to the movement of the spirit. What does it mean to worship in truth? To worship God authentically as we are just as we are. Now, since we focused on the spirit last week, we'll focus more on the truth this week. And let's start here. We cannot hide from God the truth of our lives. The woman cannot hide from Jesus the truth of her life. The woman can't hide that she's a Samaritan. She cannot hide her relationship history. She cannot hide her current relationship status from Jesus. Now, I do not know anyone with a perfectly pristine relationship history. And if you do have a perfect relationship history, let me know. We can talk more over coffee sometime about your perfection. I would love to know more. Life is messy, right? Relationships are messy, whether they're romantic relationships, whether they're family relationships, work relationships, friendships, neighbor relationships, church relationships. Because relationships involve humans, they're messy. And the goal is not to have neater relationships. But instead, the goal is to be more authentic in our relationships so that others can be more authentic with us. What does it mean to be authentic? To be more fully the person God has gifted us to be. 
to be more fully the person God is calling us to be. Now, always, 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 the primary goal is to put our relationship with God at the center of our lives. But we cannot have God as a priority in our lives if we don't bother to get real with God and come before God as we are with all of our faults and all of our mess. There are hundreds of thousands of Christians around the world, if not millions. There are many, many Christians around the world who are faking it with God. If not putting on a show, then trying desperately to hide from God all sorts of pain. Jesus releases the Samaritan woman at the well from any pain and liberates her to serve. What does Jesus do for us? Liberates us from pain, frees us to serve. The woman says to Jesus, I know the Messiah is coming who is called Christ. Having come, that one will proclaim all things to us. Jesus says, I who speak to you am that very one. She has met the Messiah. And the Messiah has not run away from her. And instead has high expectations of this Samaritan woman. Jesus expects her to worship God in spirit and truth. No fake stuff. No pretending to be someone she is not. She is to fully worship God in all of her brokenness, in all of her messy history, as well as in all of her seeking to know more and to grow in understanding. In that passage next, we hear that the disciples come on the scene. They're astonished that Jesus is speaking with this woman but they're too chicken to say anything. The disciples are still working on being authentic. They're not yet ready to get real with Jesus in this moment. Now we hear that the woman leaves her water jar, rushes back to the city. Scripture tells us that she said to the people, come and see someone who has told me everything I've ever done. This cannot be the Messiah, can it? And they left the city and they were on their way to Jesus. Now, meanwhile, we hear that the beloved, clueless disciples were urging Jesus, Rabbi, eat something. But what does Jesus say to them? I have food to eat that you don't know about. And this totally confuses the disciples, right? The disciples say to one another, did you grab him something from McDonald's? Surely no one has brought him something to eat. And Jesus does what? He attempts to draw the disciples away from only living in the material world and helps them to build a better spiritual understanding. Jesus says to the disciples, my food is to do the will of God who sent me and to complete God's work. On top of that, Jesus points out to the disciples that they're not to get all the credit for the work that they've been doing. What does Jesus say? Do you not say four months more, then comes the harvest? But I tell you, look around you, see how the fields are ripe for harvesting. The reaper is already receiving wages and is gathering fruit for eternal life so that sower and reaper may rejoice together. For here the saying holds true, one sows, another reaps. I sent you to reap for that which you did not labor. Others have labored and you have entered into their labor. So it's not just the disciples who have put in the time and the energy. There are plenty of people who have come before them who have planted seeds and done hard work, and the disciples are building on that. Jesus is trying to help them understand that many other people contribute to the work. 
And speaking of other people making contributions, we hear that the Samaritan woman is an effective, a very effective evangelist. Scripture tells us that many Samaritans from that city believed in Jesus because of the woman's testimony. And what was her testimony? He told me everything I have ever done. Now the Samaritans who, remember, are typically suspicious of Jews, these Samaritans asked Jesus to stay with them. And he stayed there for two days. And many more believed because of Jesus' word. And they said to the woman, it's no longer because of what you said that we believe, for we've heard ourselves. And we know that this is truly the savior of the world. So the Samaritan woman at the well has a great testimony, but while someone else's testimony may draw us closer to Jesus, we have to have our own experience to truly believe. Now, I sometimes think it's, it's easier to understand a scripture passage if we sort of update it a little bit. And so just briefly here at the end of the message, uh, I'd like to update this passage today to the 21st century, okay? And so you're gonna see in a moment a woman named Samantha, okay? A stand-in for the Samaritan woman at the well. And this woman, Samantha, is going to be speaking to her homeowners association meeting, okay? And that's all of you, right? So uh, Samantha is speaking at the homeowners association meeting. Are you with me? Okay, and I'm gonna be back in just a moment. I have to do a brief costume change, and when I come back, I'll be Samantha. Thank you. Well, I wanna thank you for letting me speak here at the Homeowners Association meeting. You know that I've been to about 25 of these meetings. You meet once a year. I've lived here for 25 years. And I know that during this portion of the meeting, points of personal privilege, that a lot of you give like personal announcements. You share about a birthday coming up, maybe a neighbor's anniversary. A lot of you hear about grandkids, what's coming up for the grandkids. And I've never spoken at one of these meetings. But I have a personal to share with you uh, today. Now, I want to start off by saying, I know that you call me Floody Samantha, okay? I know that you call me Trashy. I know that you call me worse names than that. I'm not going to list out all of the names, okay? I know it. And I know that I haven't been the best neighbor in the world either. Surely I have said unkind things too. But I want to tell you about a guy that I met yesterday. And it was noon, and I was down the street at the bar. That isn't a shock to anyone here. You know that I go to the bar at noon, right? Every day. And there's regulars there, okay? And then I, you know, I work second shift. Anyway, so uh, I was at the bar yesterday at noon, and this guy came in, and at first it seemed like he was some sort of holy roller, right? I was really clear with him. I said, you know, hey, I'm spiritual, not religious. Do not convert me. Stay away from me. Um, but he wasn't, he wasn't like that. You know, I thought he was a holy roller, but he wasn't like that. And he started sharing with me all sorts of things about my life. Now, 
here, you know that I've been married five times, right? There was Andy, there was Doug, there was George, there was, there was Todd, and you've all met Vince. I mean, he's out and about in the neighborhood all the time, and you know that we're not, we're not married, so it's kind of public knowledge. So he like, you know, I guess you can probably look up most of this on the internet uh, these days. But then this guy, he started to share with me the details all of my marriages that, that no one would know, right? So like he told me, he, he knew that Andy and I got divorced because Andy had these women on the side. And he, he told me, this guy told me that he knew that I was pretty unkind to Doug and we got a, a divorce. And he knew that George emptied my bank account. And he knew that Mel died of a drug overdose. And Todd, told me that he wanted a divorce over a text message. And he knew that Vince and I were having some problems, and he knew the specifics of those problems. And the thing is, this, this, all of this, he told me these things, but he didn't judge me. And then he invited me to a worship service last night. I thought, well, uh, you know, uh, why and so, um, I'm not proud of this, but I called off work. Um, you know, I've, I've got some sick time saved up. And I went to this worship service, and this guy was there, and some followers were there, and they didn't really know what to make of me, but everyone was polite, right? No one said anything. So we did some praying together. We did some singing together. They, they read some things from the Bible. And this is the announcement I want to make to you today that I know without any doubt that God loves me. Despite what any of you may think, God loves me, and God will never stop loving me. And God loves each and every one of you, and God will never stop loving you, and I'm never going to stop talking about this. So that's my personal announcement to the Homeowners Association today. And if you want to talk more about this, let's meet a little bit later in the parking lot when the meeting is over. Thank you, everyone. Will you pray with me? We thank you, God, for this strong calling to worship you in spirit and truth. Open our hearts, Lord God. Open our hearts to you, to the movement of your spirit. Prize us uh, with your spirit. And Lord God, help us to get real with you. Help us to be authentic with you. And as we grow in our authenticity, we help others around us be more authentically who you're calling them to be. So uh, we thank you, God, uh, for this particular time, for your calling to continue to worship. Thank you, God, that you accept us, that you love us, that there's no barrier between us and you. Your arms are wide open for us, always. And we're grateful, God. Let's all say, Amen. There is a river and it flows from deep 
fountain that frees the soul from sin. Come to this water. There is last supply.
God be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to God. Praise be to God for this inclusive table of love and for the gift of Jesus Christ. Now, on the night on which Jesus was given over to betrayal through a friend, on this night, Jesus, he gathered with his friends, took bread, he blessed it and broke it, passed it to his friends, saying, Take, eat, this is my body given for you. Whenever you eat of this bread, do so in remembrance of me. And then Jesus, he took a cup, blessed it, passed it to his friends who were gathered there with him, saying, Take, drink, this is the cup of your salvation. My blood poured out for you for the remission of your sin and the sins of the whole world. And so let us pray. And let's first take just a moment of confession. And let's confess to God all that we may have done or left undone to keep in that right relationship with God. God, we ask that you bless these gifts of bread and fruit of the vine. We thank you, God, for the forgiveness and for the joy that we experience as we share this holy meal. We receive your never-ending love and your healing at this table, and we're so grateful how good it is to commune with you, O oh God. Amen. Our faith is a mixture of past, present, and future. We remember what God did for us in Christ. We experience now uh, the presence of the living Christ, and we look forward to God's continuing promise to us of growth and new life. And so let us proclaim the mystery of our faith, that Christ has died, Christ is risen, and Christ will come again. And let's take part now in this holy meal that we are all invited to. Holy are you, Lord, God Almighty. The earth is filled with your glory. Holy are you, Lord, God Almighty. The earth is filled with your glory. It's the anthem of the Lord's renown. It's rising up all around. It's the anthem of the Lord's renown. What a special time in your sanctuary, Lord God. What a special time in worship. And we will remember those words of Jesus, the worship in spirit and in truth. We thank you especially for this time of communing with you and with one another. And we thank you for blessing us with abundance, your abundant energy, Lord God, your abundant grace and your abundant love. Amen and amen. 
If you could please rise as able, let's join in saying together our commission and blessing. As we take our worship, praise, and prayer from this place and into our daily lives, may we be sustained through the love of God. May we feel the presence of our Savior walking beside us and know the power of the Spirit in both our actions and words. Amen. Amen.